Welcome to the Lakeside Baptist Church Podcast. We pray you are blessed as you hear the Word of God today. For more information regarding Lakeside Baptist Church, please visit lakeside.asn.au. Have you watching online? My name is Anthony, one of the pastors here. And uh, we actually ran the Alpha a few years ago in our lightning team times. Uh, there was about 40 young guys and girls, and it was really, really, it went really well, very successful. So again, I'd encourage you, if you're thinking about it, or if you know someone, ask them, come along with them. It would be very, very fruitful. How about I pray, and we will jump right into it. Let's bow our heads. Oh, before, before that, Leanne, when you said, and everyone said, we thought we had to say amen, not hallelujah. Um, but either way, it was great. Did, hands up if you thought we were going to say amen. See? Oh, man. It was. It was very good. Okay, we won't be putting up here as much from now on. No, you're excellent. Let me pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you that we have the opportunity to come together, to connect, to share and, and, and uh, enjoy each other's company, uh, coffee and all that kind of stuff. And uh, Lord, to praise, to sing worship through song and uh, Lord, the words on the screen, the musical instruments, Lord, so powerful. Thank you that we get to do that. Father, thank you for the program Alpha, uh, an incredible tool, a vehicle to share your gospel. Lord, we do pray that we would see people come to know you through that program. But Lord, right now, as we come to your word, as we, as we reflect on it and think of it, we really ask that you would help us to focus, help us to concentrate. Uh, uh, in your name, Jesus, amen. Everyone said... Hallelujah. <laughs> okay, this morning I was going to be uh, preaching on our last one another sermon, uh, and I was—I basically prepared that message, uh, but I had since uh, probably from about Thursday, Friday, God started laying some stuff on my heart in regards to what He wanted me to share for this Sunday, and so I've changed it. And because I'm leaving in October, I can do whatever I want. Uh, but no, I really believe this message, uh, there's at least one person that needs to hear this message. So if you are that one person, this message is for you. Uh, like I said, God strongly has laid this on my heart over the last uh, 20, 48 hours. And so I wanted to bring it to you and see what God does with it. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I had the opportunity, I was in Brisbane with Arrow Leadership and we're working with senior leaders, senior pastors. I, I have the privilege to oversee South Australia and Western Australia, a new cohort and really exciting. And uh, we had a lady, Helen Bates, her name was or is, uh, she uh, was our worship and words. So every morning we would have someone bring a devotion, uh, more than a devotion, preach for about half an hour. Incredible lady. She was a missionary to Africa and actually throughout Europe as well with YWAM. Uh, she spent a large amount of time in, in chaplain uh, ministry in hospitals. And she was sharing some, some incredible content and some great stories. But she talked about how one, uh, she was in, I think it was in Italy or in, in Europe somewhere, and these refugees were coming uh, from Russia. And she had this 
this opportunity to minister through the YWAM program. And this one lady came to her and she was talking to her and, and I suppose sharing the gospel. Anyway, this lady who was a refugee was quite angry and aggressive and was basically saying, what would you know? Uh, what would you understand about losing your house and losing your family? You got no idea what it is to lose everything. You got no idea what I've been through. And, and this uh, lady, Helen, her name is, uh, was, didn't, she agreed. I don't have any idea. I don't know what you've gone through. Uh, what you've gone through is incredibly hard, difficult and painful. Anyway, she felt like a complete failure. Uh, she said, here was this lady who, who needed the message of Jesus and, and all she did was leave angry. Uh, because I didn't say anything or I didn't do the right things. Anyway, she, she goes on and tells this story that a few years later, she bumps into this same lady, this Russian lady, at a YWAM event. And um, she uh, saw her and she came up to her and she had some other people with her and, and she introduced these people to Helen and said, this is Helen, this is the lady that led me to the Lord. This is the one that got me on the track of, of thinking about Jesus. And, and, and Helen was like, I, I can't even remember what I said that day. I can't even remember what, what I said or how I said it. I remember leaving thinking I was a failure. I remember leaving thinking, God, how could you use that? I'm not a missionary. I need to just go off and, and do something completely different. And she remembers that. She tells that story because uh, she has this sense that we play a little role in someone's spiritual journey. And actually, our role is not to always necessarily walk with someone in their whole journey, but our role may be just to play a, a chunk. And what she refers to is we are to bump people to Jesus. So just turn to the person next to you and go like that. No, not too hard. You guys, that's, if that was AFL, that's one week suspension. Um, so, so she talks about bumping people to Jesus. That, that we don't all, we're not all, we don't all have to walk with the same person. It's just when we have an encounter with someone, our role is to bump them closer to Jesus in that encounter. In fact, and then Paul talks about that, some people plant the seed, some people water, but, but their role is to bump them closer to Jesus. And so she went into chaplaincy ministry, into hospital chaplaincy ministry, dealing with uh, critical incidents and hospice and, and death and trauma. And, and her focus was, whenever I go into the room, I may not see this person again. I probably don't know the outcome of their story or our conversations, but I'm going to do my best to bump them a little bit closer to Jesus. And so she would go in there and quite stubbornly she would tell stories how she would sit there until she had an opportunity to bump them closer to Jesus. And again, she doesn't know where that's going to head or the outcome of, of that story. And in, and in many ways, when you think of the, the concept of repent, it means to turn 180. So if that is 180 degrees, so if that is Jesus there, and if people are facing away from Jesus, and that means basically all of us have started in this position, we have our back to Jesus, we've turned our back on God. And when we say yes to Jesus, we turn to Jesus, we repent and we focus on Jesus. Uh, and to be bumped means we just get a little bit. And the goal, I suppose, the mission is that we eventually get bumped all the way to the point where we say yes to Jesus. 
and you don't know what role you're playing, but hold on to the fact that we're not all called to walk the whole journey with everyone, but just bump them closer to Jesus. Bump those who we meet towards Jesus. And I love that thinking. Because sometimes, uh, maybe more so as a pastor, put pressure that I have to, we're the ones that do the saving. We're the ones I have to lead this person. I have to do this. I have to share the gospel. If they haven't become a Christian or there hasn't been enough people baptized, all those types of things. But actually, our role is just to bump people closer to Jesus. Jesus, it's up to the Spirit to do the rest. As long as we're faithful in the bumping. Now, if we're not bumping, then we're, we're not doing the right thing. We're soft. We need to bump people to Jesus. And uh, after she shared this as a leadership group, we, we kind of reflected over it uh, at, uh, throughout the week, talking about this concept of bumping people towards Jesus. And it got us thinking about, uh, maybe more so in AFL, the different types of bumps. Ollie, can you come up here, please? I want to demonstrate the standard bump. This is just a standard bump. Come on up here, not a soccer player bump, just a standard hip and shoulder. This is just a standard no, a bit harder than that. Oh, that's good. That, no, a bit harder. Okay, nice standard bump. Do your best. See if you can move me. Come on, I'm solid, mate. I'm 180 kilos. Very good. Standard bump. Give him a clap. We're not covered by insurance, so if you get a sore shoulder tomorrow, don't come and complain to me. But that's a standard football bump, isn't it? That we may be looking to go towards the ball and boom, we just get bumped off the path that we were heading towards. And depending on what foot we had or depending if we had good balance, that determines how effective the bump is. Just a standard bump. Then there's these types of bumps, which is kind of a shirt front, where you fully get boom. You don't see the guy coming. You don't see the opponent running. You might have your eyes on the ball and all of a sudden, boom, shakalaka, you hit and you're on the ground, and, and you're out. You don't see that as much these days, but in the old days, that was, that was almost taught that you would clean up your opponent. Uh, so, so different types of bumps. I actually want to show a quick video of this dad giving his child a little bit of a help in a, in a football match. I don't know if we can get this up on the video. Have a look at this. Bit of a bump. Look at the goalie. Goalkeeper goalie, mate. Get fucking goal. <laughs> Just in case you missed it, we'll have, a, have another quick look. I think this is great parenting, by the way. <laughs> One more. Here we go. Get it. Sometimes you need a little bit of help, uh, and so you need to get bumped. I also, uh, we've recently, we bought a, a new car a couple of years ago, Kluger, and this Kluger has all the bells and whistles and it beeps and there's this horrible lady that always tells me to slow down and it's a school zone and this, this and this and I can't figure, it's not my wife, I haven't figured out, haven't figured out how to turn her off. But there's, there's this feature in, this, in the Kluger is it, it keeps you in the middle of the lane. I don't know if you, uh, lane assistance or lane assist. Uh, and in fact, when you try to turn or, or along the freeway, if you try to go into the other lane without indicating, 
you should be indicating, it literally bumps you back in. It feels like a bump. Hands up if any of you have that feature. It, it like bumps you back in. I'm like, Who, what? Who's driving this car? You have to literally indicate before you can swap lane, which is obviously the rule. But sometimes you just, even just a little bit, bumps you back in, and I get frustrated at this. This lane assist telling me that I have to stay in the middle of it, but obviously it's there to keep me safe. I think. Um, so different types of bumps. Now, again, as a group, we started thinking about this, and we started thinking about it in a different setting. Uh, Helen, the YWAM lady, was talking about how we're to bump people towards Jesus, so they say yes to Jesus. But we started reflecting on how actually sometimes the person who does the bumping is actually Jesus. That actually Jesus sometimes comes along in our life and he gives us an Oli Chow bump. Or he even sometimes comes along and he shirt fronts us. He wants our attention. It's like, boom, where did that come from? Or maybe sometime it's like the Kluger guy, Jesus comes along and, and we're, we're, we're heading in a certain direction, but he's just trying to keep you safe. He's just trying to keep you on, on the path. But we reflected on the fact that sometimes Jesus is the one who does the bumping. And we don't always like it. We don't always recognize it. We don't always respond to it. But my message today is, how do we respond when Jesus bumps us? Whether it be a standard bump, whether it be a Kluger bump, or whether it be a shirt front. How do we respond? I think of the story of uh, the Apostle Paul or Saul. If you know his story well, remember, uh, Jesus has uh, died, he, he, he rose again, then he ascended into heaven and Christianity is spreading throughout Jerusalem and this guy named Saul, who's, the, who's the, uh, a Pharisee or a, a religious person who keeps the law and, and he's trying to kill Christians because he sees them as a problem because they go against the Old Testament, all this kind of stuff and he's out persecuting and killing Christians and he hears that a whole heap of Christians are, or Christianity is spreading in a northern region of Damascus. And so he heads up to Damascus to, to, to capture Christians. Now, if you know this story, if, you know, if you've been around churches long enough, you know this story. And Paul is heading up to Damascus and what happens? He gets shirt fronted, doesn't he? He gets bumped by Jesus. He's riding a horse, I think he was riding a horse, and boom, a bright light, and he falls off his horse, and there's this voice, why are you persecuting me? And now he's blind. And in that moment, he, be, he becomes a Christian, and you know the rest of the story, he goes to Damascus, someone, another Christian comes and ministers to him. But at that point, right there, Saul, or Paul, was bumped by Jesus, was shirt-fronted by Jesus, his life was heading this way, Jesus comes along, boom, and now it's heading that way. He went from killing Christians to telling people about Jesus, becoming a Christian himself, and, and the, the gospel spreads throughout the entire world because he was bumped and he responded to that shirt front. It's, it's not easy responding to a shirt front, is it? Even, even when it's Jesus, it's hard, you know, when you're playing footy, if you, hands up if you've ever been shirt fronted. It's the worst. And you just want to kill the person, don't you? You just, uh, and you want to get them back. But, but sometimes in life, Jesus does that to us. And we can have excuses. We can get angry. We can think it was someone else. But maybe we should just stop and think, what is God trying to show me? 
What is God trying to teach me? There's another story uh, where Jesus was out doing ministry and him and his disciples had spent a whole day out and he comes back to the to house to rest and, and uh, the house was the house of Mary and Martha. And he was there and, and uh, lots of people and Martha was preparing food for her guests. It seems like a, a, a good response, a thing to do. Jesus is on the floor and, and, and teaching and sharing. And then Martha's sister Mary, again, you probably know the story, uh, is at the feet of Jesus listening. And Martha, who's running around making all this food, comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, can you tell Mary to help? Here I am doing all this work and she's not doing anything. She's just chilling by your feet. And Jesus, probably not a, uh, a shirt front, but Jesus bumps Martha. And Jesus says, Martha, just relax. Why are you worrying about all this stuff? Actually, what Mary has chosen to do is better than what you have chosen to do. That's a bump from Jesus. A bump that says, get your priorities right, Martha. You see, Jesus throughout his whole life and throughout his ministry, until now, until he returns, is in the business of bumping. Bumping. And so I want to look at, uh, yesterday afternoon, I, was just, I just sat down and I wrote down six ways I believe Jesus bumps us. Now, there could be more. You could have more than six, but these are the six ways that, that uh, I think Jesus, or the reason why Jesus bumps us. Now, this could go for 10 minutes. This could go for two hours, okay? So we'll see. It's like a lucky dip this morning, okay? Uh, six reasons why Jesus bumps us. And here's the question I want you to, to, to ask. Where do I, uh, has Jesus done this to me recently? Maybe you feel like you've been bumped by Jesus, Maybe you feel like you're in the Kluger and he's, he's not letting you turn left or right. Maybe you feel like you're being shirt fronted. Or maybe you feel like you've just had a standard bit of a bump. I don't know your story. The question is, how do you respond? How do you respond? First reason I've got here in regards to why Jesus may uh, bump you is to redirect your path. Turn to the person next to you and say, redirect. Ooh, gee, that was not as good as the hallelujahs. Redirect your path. And this is probably an obvious one, just like the cougar, uh, cougar the cougar. Um, I was gonna, you know my wife's a cougar? Do you know what a cougar is? Someone who's going out of, she's two years older than me right now. There's a bit of a gap in the birthdays, but anyway. So, so just like the cougar keeps you on the, doesn't take you off, the reason why Jesus sometimes bumps you is to redirect your path, you're heading down the wrong direction. Or you're, you're just doing life and, and Jesus comes along and says, no, that's not the path that I want. Here's the path. Do you remember the story of a little tax collector named Zacchaeus? Jesus is, is famous by this time. People are flocking to see him. Hundreds and thousands of people want a piece of Jesus. Zacchaeus is who's a tax collector. So he's Jewish and he collects money for the Romans. So he's seen as a traitor. People would, would spit on him and hate him. He would be seen as a thief because the way they make their money, those tax collectors, was to take a bit on the side, their own little bit of GST, and they could decide how much that was. So he's probably wealthy. He's seen as a traitor. People don't like him. No one likes tax man now. Uh, so, so no one likes Zacchaeus. But he heard about Jesus 
He knew something wasn't quite right in his life. He knew probably the path that he was heading down was probably the wrong one. And he wanted to hear Jesus. And Jesus is coming to his village. It says that he was short. He couldn't see. So what do short people do? They climb up trees, all right? They climb up trees and he climbs up a tree to get it, just to see Jesus. As Jesus comes down this path, he's got a nice view and he probably, people wouldn't have let him go to the front of the line. They would have said, get out of here, you rotten tax collector. You shouldn't even be here like that. They tend to do that to short people generally, but that's another sermon. And so he climbs up this tree and Jesus literally, the story goes that Jesus stops and Jesus is about to bump Zacchaeus literally off that tree because he turns to him and he looks and he refers to him by his name. He says, Zacchaeus, I haven't even met yet. Boom, probably a shirt front moment for Zacchaeus. Get down off that tree. You know, I, I read somewhere, and I think I've said this before, but that, that the most beautiful sound to a human is their own name. To hear your own name is the most beautiful sound. Depends who's saying it at what volume and what pitch, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but, but the most beautiful, and Zacchaeus hears his name. Spoken by Jesus. Wow. He gets bumped. He gets bumped. He comes down from that tree. And oh, actually, that's what Jesus does. He invites himself over to, for lunch. He says, I'm coming to your house for lunch. He goes to Zacchaeus' house and there's something. His life is redirected. It says that Zacchaeus then sold everything or, or, or gave all the money that he's stolen to the people he stole it from. And his life is radically redirected. And so sometimes when Jesus comes along and he bumps your life or he bumps you, he's redirecting your path. He's redirecting your path. Remember the story of the rich young ruler? Another guy, Jesus is out and about, and this young guy who's rich, he's young and he's a ruler. That's why he's a rich young ruler. But it probably means he has servants. It's not just that he has money. He has land. He has possessions. He has status. And he comes up to Jesus and he says, how do I get into heaven? And Jesus says, well, you need to keep the commandments. If you do the commandments, and then you get to eternal life. And, and, and the rich young ruler says, well, basically, I've done that. And he wasn't lying because Jesus says, actually, you're right. You've done a really good job in that area. But Jesus knows this guy's heart. Jesus knows what path this young, rich young ruler is on. And so he's going to bump him. And the way he bumps him is by saying, okay, this is what I need you to do. You need to sell everything that you have. And all the money that you've got, you need to give it to the poor and you need to come and follow me. That was a bump moment for the rich young ruler. How does the story end? It said that the rich young ruler left what? Sad. You see, when Jesus bumps you, you can respond differently. You can respond like Zacchaeus, get down the tree and go to the house and, and, then, and, and sell everything, uh, give everything back that you owe. Or you can leave sad because you don't like the fact that Jesus is bumping. You don't like the path that he is calling you to. But the question is, right now, is Jesus bumping you or to redirect your path? If he is, how do you respond? Are you on the right path? Are you going on your own way? And I reckon we could get people, I could share stories of how I was heading down a path. And sometimes it's not a wrong path, but it was just that Jesus says, no, I need to redirect you. Kluger, boom, get, get over this way a bit. 
Is he doing that in your life right now? How are you going to respond? Are you going to respond like Zacchaeus or are you going to respond like the rich young ruler? So redirect your path. The second reason why Jesus bumps sometimes is to refocus your attention. Turn to the person and say, refocus. Refocus your attention. There's a great story in in the Gospels where Jesus has calls all his disciples in. And, and, and sometimes, and especially in the world that we live in, it's very, very easy to focus on, on things that aren't of God. And again, not necessarily bad things. Life is busy. We've heard it. There's so much going on. And maybe that's the problem. Maybe we need to remove ourselves from some of that stuff so we know what to focus on. But even in Jesus' time, it's easy to focus on things that he doesn't want us to focus on. The passage in Hebrews says to throw off everything that weighs us down, that burdens us, that, uh, that, that um, is a burden and the sin that entangles us. That's got to do with what, what, what's our focus. And so sometimes Jesus will bump you to wake you up, to refocus. You're looking at the wrong thing. What is your focus in life? That's, that's, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, but that's not the focus I have for you in your life. And so Jesus calls his disciples in and, and he basically says, hey guys, we've done some pretty good stuff. We've healed people. We've, we've ushered in the new kingdom. We've talked about the kingdom of God. We've done all these things, but now we're, we're heading to the pointy end of what I'm here for. There's going to come a point where I'm going to be handed over to the, to the, the enemies, I suppose, to the, the religious rulers and to the, the Roman government, and I'm going, to, I'm going to be killed. I'm going to die. I'm going to be put to death. And a, a guy by the name of Peter, I love Peter, he, he says, and you can almost imagine him calling Jesus over to the side and saying, hey, Jesus, we've we got to talk about this whole death thing. I love the miracles. Keep doing that. That's great for your Facebook likes. I love the fact that you fed the 5,000 and, you know, that's awesome. And Eve, you're teaching about love and compassion. Keep doing all. But this deaf talk, if you keep talking about that, people won't, people won't follow you. You've got to stop that. And this is what Peter is saying. No, no, no. I won't allow it to happen. And right there we see a bump moment for Peter. Peter had quite a few bump moments when you look through the Gospels. And this probably was, I don't know if this was a shirt front or a decent side bump, but, but it was definitely a bump moment. What did Jesus turn to Peter and say? He said to Peter, hey, I need to refocus your attention because at the moment your focus, uh, your attention is basically in line with the enemy because Jesus turns to Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. You ever said that to your children? Get behind me, Satan. If you haven't and you've got young parents, we'll talk about that at child dedication. You will one day. Get behind me, Satan. He says, get behind me, Satan. Why? He's basically saying, Peter, you're working for the enemy. You're working for the enemy. I need to bump you to refocus your attention. This is part of the mission, Peter. This is part of the plan. And so sometimes Jesus will come along, he will bump you to refocus your attention. Has your attention been in the wrong places lately? Have you noticed maybe Jesus trying to bump you to refocus your attention? Now, I think this message is for someone today or for some people today. So I really want you to take stock of this. Is Jesus bumping you to refocus your 
attention. So we've got redirect, we've got refocus. And the third one is, or the third reason Jesus may bump you is to remind you of a truth. Turn to the person next to you and say, remind you. And we, we need reminding. We, we often forget of, of the truths that are in the Bible. We, we often forget of the, the work that God has already done in our own lives. And so sometimes Jesus is going to bump you to remind you of a truth. He's going to bump you to remind you of a previous work that he's done. He's going to bump you to remind you of the things that he talks about in his word. Uh, 2020, COVID, um, when COVID first hit, uh, it, it feels like forever ago now, doesn't it? But 2020, uh, we didn't know what it was going to look like. They shut the, everything down. The rec center was shut down and we worked out that we had about 12 weeks worth of, of um, finances to sustain everyone's employment, that kind of stuff. Um, and so we were like, what are we going to do? I went to a man, I think I've told the story before, who was a wealthy man, and I sat there and I asked him for $600,000. Ironically, he didn't give it to me, but I asked him for this money. I drank a lot of coffee and he still didn't give it to me. And, and, and then we had this concept or this belief that the offerings would drop. We thought due to covid Obviously, people are going to be stressed and strained and offerings, we worked on about 30% that they would drop by. What we couldn't believe is offerings actually went up. And so we put together a plan on and how we could at least cover the staff's wages to a certain degree with the fact that the offerings went down, but the offerings actually went up. And then obviously JobKeeper and all that, but that, that came in later. And so we didn't know this. And so here I was operating in my own strength thinking the offerings would go down when they actually went up. And then I had a bump moment with Jesus. It was in a quiet time. And uh, uh, the, the passage was Psalm 20, verse 7. And listen to the words. It's not up on the screen, but this was a bump time where Jesus reminded me of a truth. It says, some trust in chariots and some in horses. And so what that is saying is chariots and horses are wealth and power and authority. So, so some trust in chariots and some in horses. It was like me running to this person to get this money because we needed this. You, you, you know, you need to help us so we can keep the doors open, so to speak. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of our Lord, our God. And it was just, a, it was boom, a bump moment where I was reminded of a truth that God is in control. God's in control. That God's got this. God can handle this. Now, again, when we look through the scriptures, especially the Old Testament, they're told time and time again to retell the stories of what? The things that God had done for them. Why? Because we need to be reminded of the truth. And so maybe this morning, maybe recently, or maybe God is trying to bump you to get your attention to remind you of a truth. Maybe it's a scriptural truth like this one, that God is in control. I went rushing to find uh, someone who wasn't God to help because I needed, we needed money. When all the time God says, I've got this. This is in control. Be reminded of this truth, Anthony. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God, remind me of the truth. So sometimes we get bumped, shirt front, pushed, kluged, 
to remember what God has done in their lives. Can I encourage you also, one, one thing that you can practice is actually to journal. If you, if you don't, that's fine, but maybe start now because we, we forget what God has done in our lives. And if you were to just write down some of the things and, and read them over, some, and, and some of my notes, I look and I'm like, wow. You know, when I first started here, um, I started in the basketball, running the junior basketball. I was on my prayer list. I was praying, or we were actively praying for 80 junior basketball teams. 80. I think we've got something like 236 now. Wow, isn't God great? And because and I can go back and look at that and think, wow, here we were, you know, and now God answers prayers. So, so maybe journaling and you go and you flick through those things and you are reminded of truths, of God doing things in your lives, but also in the scriptures. So we have redirect, we have refocus, we have remind. Uh, the fourth one is this, remove a lie or untrue thought. So sometimes God or Jesus will come along and bump you to remove a lie or an untrue thought that you're thinking. Maybe it's about yourself. Maybe it's about someone else. Maybe it's negative self-talk. And, and Jesus will come along and bam and say, stop doing that. You know why he does that? Because the enemy is the chief what? Chief liar, chief deceiver. He, he comes to steal, kill and destroy and he's going to lie and he's going to say things about you and, 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 and even about God and about others because he wants to do that to, to take you off track. And sometimes Jesus will bump you to remove a liar and untrue thought. Um, we're back to Peter. Remember the story of Peter? He said he wouldn't deny it, Jesus. Jesus said, hey, you know, you guys are probably going to be scared when I die and there's going to be one who betrays me. Peter's like, not me. I'm the man. I, I believe in you. I will do anything for you. They'll have to kill me. And Jesus says, before the rooster goes cock-a-doodle-doo uh, three times, you'll deny me three times. Nah. And what happens? Peter denies him. And in fact, one encounter, it says, was with a young girl. He was that scared that when a young girl challenged him, you know Jesus. I don't know Jesus. And so he carried this shame and this guilt for those days after that. Jesus dies and then he comes back to life. And, and guess what he does? He's on a mission. Obviously, there's other things on his things to do list. But one of the things was actually to remove a liar or untrue thought in Peter's life. And that, that he was no good, that he, that he wasn't, that he let Jesus down. When the Marys come and see Jesus, or well, one of them, I can't remember who it was, saw Jesus. He said, uh, go and let the disciples know. And, and, then he, and it clearly says, and what? And Peter. He says, and tell Peter. Why? Because there's some removing of some lies and some untrue thoughts in Peter's life. And then there's, uh, I don't know how many days after, but Jesus is on the beach and he sees Peter and some of the other disciples and he calls them in and, and they have a barbecue, fish barbecue. I couldn't think of anything worse personally for breakfast. But anyway, they come and they sit and they're eating fish and, and he has a conversation with Peter. And Jesus says to, to Peter, uh, um, do you love me, Peter? 
And he says, yes, Jesus, I love you. And he says, you're going to feed my lambs. And then he says, do you love me, Peter? And he says, yes, 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 I love you. And he says, you're going to take care of my sheep. Do you love me, Peter? He says, yes, 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 feed my sheep. And then he says, follow me. He's saying, I have a mission for you. The reason he was doing that, he was bumping Peter. Peter had, would have had all this self-doubt that he was useless, that he was the worst disciple, that he betrayed Jesus. He would have been carrying that around and Jesus comes along and bumps him and says, mate, you're in for a wild ride. He talks about how he's going to die, which, okay, a bit, bit harsh. But anyway, I still choose you, Peter. I still choose you, Peter. And so sometimes Peter, Peter, Jesus will come along and bump you to remove a lie. Maybe he wants to do that right now today. Is there a lie that you're holding on to? Is there an untruth that you're holding on to that Jesus just wants to bump away? You know, uh, I've been here for 25 years. It was an incredibly hard decision to come to the point where we would say that our time and our season had finished here at Lakeside. Incredibly hard. Wasn't one that we made easily. And even since making that decision, there's been obviously a plethora of emotions some excitement, obviously mourning and grief because we love the place, we love the people, we love the mission, we, we, all of that kind of stuff. But even some self-doubt was creeping in to the point where it was kind of like I was saying, maybe I'm not cut out to be a pastor. Maybe, maybe I could go back selling fruit and veg. Not that I was any good at that anyway. Or fish and chips, Peter. I'm sure you've got a shop somewhere. Um, and so this self-doubt was kind of like, maybe I'm not cut out to be this. And uh, actually, it was at the same week that I was in Arrow, and Tim Hanna, I don't know if you know him, he's, he was the CEO of uh, Compassion Australia, and he was, he was doing a presentation, and, and he said something that was a bump moment for me. Not about anyone else, but for me, I, I was writing it down. And, and this is what he said, it was a bump moment. He says, we have to distinguish, distinguish between my calling and my assignment. So Lakeside wasn't my calling. Lakeside was my assignment for 25 years, a long assignment. Actually, that's how long it took me to do a lot of my assignments. Um, so Lakeside was an assignment. My calling continues. Now I go on to another assignment. So there's a distinguishing between calling and assignment. But this, is a, this was a lie, and I don't know if it came, I don't want to over-spiritualize it and say it came from the enemy, but this lie was, oh, I'm no good, I shouldn't be a pastor, maybe that's it for me. But then, boom, I get bumped and this, this remove a lie, remove an uh, uh, untruth or no, you know the calling on your life. This assignment has finished, but there will be other assignments. Rest into your calling. So remove a lie or untruth thought, maybe you need to do that today. Redirect, refocus, remind, remove. Second last one, and we're almost there. Rebuke you of a sin. Now, this one we don't like as much. But Jesus does it. Why? Because he has his best, our, our best interests in mind. And so, yes, Jesus forgives us of our sin. He's paid the price. He doesn't condemn us, but he will convict us. And he will come along and he will bump us. Why? To rebuke you of a sin. Remember the disciples in the, in the boat, they're in, there's this big storm. 
These guys are fishermen, so they've been through a few storms. They're scared, so it must have been a decent storm. Jesus, it says in the Gospel of Mark, was asleep on a pillow. Don't know why they add that little bit of detail that there was a pillow, but he was sleeping on a pillow. And they're freaking out. You could, you could imagine them saying, wake Jesus. I'm not waking Jesus. You wake Jesus. I'm not. Anyway, does it say who woke Jesus? Imagine the guy who woke Jesus. Oh, I wouldn't have. Um, but, but someone woke Jesus because they were that scared. And Jesus doesn't say, oh, guys, come on. It's just a storm. I'll put it out. He actually rebukes them. The language is very, very strong. He wakes up and says, you of little faith. He says, you've got no faith. That's actually what their main, their main thing, their main job was to have faith. And he says, you suck at it. You're scared of this storm. I'm here. Haven't you learned anything? I'm the God of, I've created all this. Yet you're scared. And he rebukes them of their sin. Literally, the language is very strong. You have little faith. And then just to show them that, he, what does he do then? He doesn't go back to sleep. What does he do? He calms the storms. And he says, just so you can remember, and I can remind you of a truth probably, he calmed the waves and the storm. It wasn't, he, couldn't, he didn't care. He was sleeping. But he wanted them to know that one, they should have faith, and he rebukes them. And so Jesus does have times in our own lives where he will rebuke you of a sin. And we have a choice to make. Do we dismiss it? Do we make an excuse? Or do we receive it? Repent. Focus on Jesus. Proverbs 3, 11 to 12 says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as the father of the son he delights. And no one likes it. But, but the reason he does it is because he wants the best for us. We think we can get away with stuff the, the way we think or the things we say. Jesus sees all of it. And sometimes he will bump us gently. Sometimes he'll do the Kluger move. Or sometimes he'll just shirt front us. Because he wants us to focus on him. Is there a sin that Jesus is rebuking you of now? It's old language, isn't it? Rebuke. Is he bumping you right now? That may come from what other people are saying to you. Or they might challenge you. They might come alongside and speak the truth in love or, or whatever. It may come from your own, the spirit that lives in you. You know, and Jesus is bumping. Redirect, refocus, remind, remove, rebuke. And our last one is this. Sometimes Jesus bumps us because he wants to reassure you of his presence. He wants you to know that he's there. He wants you to know that he is there. That in life we can go to him. That we don't do this thing on our own. And so he bumps us to reassure us that he is there. Remember right at the end in Matthew 28, it says, go and make disciples and, and uh, baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he says, and remember this. He says, remember, I will be with you always. He talks about sending the comforter, which is obviously the Holy Spirit. But he wants you to be reassured that he is with you. And so sometimes he will bump you just to remind you, I am here with you, Anthony. 
You know that footprint poem? Hands up if you've heard that. It's not in the Bible, but it's still very good. Some people think it is in the Bible. But it tells the story that Jesus is there with us. And we forget that, don't we? And I've had times in my life, and I'm sure you have, where Jesus has bumped me just to remind me I'm still here. Generally, it's when I feel sorry for myself. Why is this happening? I'm all on my own. And Jesus will bump me just to remind me, no, you're not. You're overreacting. Siobhan hasn't cooked lasagna tonight. She's cooked whatever. (laughs) But he reassures me of his presence. Let me end with this. It kind of summarizes this point, but all of them. Here's a picture uh, up on the screen. It's probably a little bit hard to see. It's a painting uh, by an Italian of all. Italians are good at painting, aren't they? Um, but this Italian, is, uh, his name is Filippino Lippi. I don't know if that was a nickname that he got for being smart, Alec, but that's his last name, Filippino Lippi. 15th century Italian painting, um, and it's the Virgin Mary, baby Jesus, and two of the saints, Jerome and Dominic. Uh, and, you know, it looks like a classic standard painting of that era Um, but actually if you know anything about painting you probably can't see it on here as well is this painting actually the painting critics hated this painting from uh, from Lippi and the reason why is because it's all out of whack the background uh, the 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 critics say that the mountains and the and the hills there look like it's going to topple in uh, the, the rule of thirds, any painters or photographers in the house? Yeah, where you kind of, it's the, uh, there's no rule of thirds. It's just all over the place. Um, and so he started studying, a guy by the name of Robert Cummings started studying, he's an art critic, and started studying this painting and, and like, what, what's the go with this painting? And the, again, the critics of the time were like, this is horrible. Like, it's like when your child does something in kindergarten, kind of. Um, you put it on the fridge, but only because you love them. But, but this, this critic said, hang on a sec, something's going on here. And he realised when he did a bit of study and research into this guy that the painting was never meant to be hung in a gallery up on a wall. But actually, this painting was meant to aid in prayer and was meant to be up on the altar. And, and Lippi, the, the painter, assumed that those viewing this picture, when they were looking at this picture in an aid for prayer, would be doing so in the kneeling position, looking up at it. Cummings, the, the art critic, fell to his knees and, uh, to look at this painting and he finally saw all the details of the picture in its proper perspective. And sometimes when it comes to God bumping us, whether it be to redirect, whether it be to refocus, whether it be to remind, whether it be to remove or rebuke or reassure, we look at it from this perspective. Why is God doing this? Why is God allowing this to happen? When really we need to get on our hands and knees and actually look at it from God's perspective or from a different perspective. And then maybe a clearer picture will open up that we get on our knees and we worship and we surrender 
to Jesus. Because when all of those R's happen, and you may have a few R's, when Jesus comes and bumps, we have a choice to make. We have a choice to get on our knees and and surrender and say, you're right, Jesus. That sin I need to hand to you. You're right, Jesus. I've had the wrong focus. Thank you. You're right, Jesus, for redirecting me. You're right, Jesus, for reminding me of that truth. You're right, Jesus, for removing that lie. And so we need to get on our hands and knees and look at it from God's perspective, from a different perspective, from a worshipping perspective, from a surrendering perspective. Redirect, refocus, remind, remove, rebuke, reassure. How about we bow and close our eyes? I'll ask the worship team to come up. just want you to listen to the guitar at the moment and, and just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And maybe he's speaking in, in one of those six areas. This is not a bad thing. This is a good thing that Jesus bumps us. If you feel like Jesus has been bumping you, for any of the reasons that I've spoken about today, I want to pray for you. So I want to ask you to just place your hand up nice and high. It's great. Just nice and high. No, one's, no one else is, you don't even have to do it, but sometimes it's just a way of kind of lying in the sand. All right. That's great. Awesome. Let me pray for you guys as well as everyone else. Father, firstly, uh, I want to thank you that you are a God who loves us. You're a God who uh, isn't distant and remote, but is interested in every little detail of our lives. So we thank you for that, Father. Father, I thank you that you are uh, a God who bumps us because you care. Sometimes it's, it's quite painful. Sometimes it hurts. Other times we're like, wow, thank goodness that you did that. If I want to pray for all the people who put their hands up, I don't know their story, Lord. They put their hands up because they sense and know that you've bumped them in this season for whatever reason. But Lord, right now, those people who have put their hands up are responding like Zacchaeus, not the rich young ruler. They're they're responding by by surrendering and and looking at this from a different perspective and saying, yes, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for bumping me. I want to live for you. Father, I pray again for those people who put their hands up that you would, uh, with the power of your spirit, allow them to respond in the way you want them to respond. That you would... This wouldn't just be head knowledge, Lord. I really do pray that something tangible will happen from this, whether it be, uh, again, through your spirit working in their lives, whether it be you surrounding them with other Christians. But, Lord, something tangible will happen from this bump that they're acknowledging and they're surrendering to. Father, I also pray for us as we get bumped that, again, we would respond like Zacchaeus, not like the rich young ruler, for whatever reasons. 
Father, I pray that we would be people that endeavour to bump others closer to Jesus. We don't have to save them. We don't save them. We can't save them. But our role is when we have encounters with people is to bump them closer to Jesus. I pray that we would do that actively and intentionally. Again, Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus, for everything that he does, that he's he's doing and that he's going to do in our lives. And we pray this in his name. And everyone said, Amen. Let's stand.